really do. You're a 21-year-old punk fucking kid. This grandpa's given you everything all your fucking life. You've never had a car payment, a house payment. Everything you live in was given to you by grandpa. You fucking don't know what it's like to work for a fucking living like I do. To bust my fucking ass and do what I do. And you know what, Sean? You fucked me, and that's the way you got it. But you know what? Your grandpa's money will run out someday, and you'll have to feast for yourself. Get a fucking job, you piece of shit. Welcome to Behind the Smoke Podcast, Barbecue War Stories. My name is Sean Waltra from Cali Comfort Barbecue, and we are recording above the butcher shop, uh, Valley Farm Market, with uh, my man Derek Marceau. How are we doing? It is a beautiful day again, like we always say in San Diego. It's um, <clears throat> been great, and you know this this week's been been awesome, kind of getting things back in order, and it's been moving along really, really well. Yeah, it's pretty great. We uh, we appreciate if you're first time tuning in. This is a business and digital marketing podcast through the eyes of barbecue. Uh, Derek and I have been so fortunate to meet numerous people um, throughout our journey that have been willing to come on and share what's going on in their world, um, whether they own a business, whether they own multiple businesses, or whether they run sports entertainment uh, franchises. Today is really cool for us because um, it's very rare that you get to speak with a high-level executive um, in a brand-new market for a brand-new franchise. Yeah, it's really exciting. It's And it's exciting to see that... <clears throat> that this the sport of lacrosse that we're going to be talking about is, is growing and really taking uh, it on to a new level here in san diego and we're excited to see it's it's something new for us so um we have josh gross here today the vice president of the san diego seals welcome my friend oh it's great to be here thanks for having me so uh tell us uh just give us a little background of uh san diego seals for and the sport of lacrosse box lacrosse sure the National Lacrosse League, the league we play in, has been around 32 years. Continuous play for, for more than three decades. And uh, it's played to sold-out buildings in the largest cities in the country and in some cities that maybe you've never even heard of in, in uh, other parts of North America, up in Canada. Right now, it's an 11-team league. Uh, 32nd season is going on currently. We're not playing this year. We launch in November of 2018. Began on the business side in uh, beginning of July of 2017 with two of us. There were three of us in October, and on January 2nd, we actually opened up our office in UTC with seven people. We're growing to between 25 and 30 full-timers, all in preparation for opening night, for really branding the team in the marketplace, for being great citizens here in San Diego, embracing the local culture, and having that play out on the field. That's awesome, because I know my, myself, I'm pretty naive to the sport of lacrosse, but I have one of my really good customers who's become one of my good friends, Todd Tobias, who does the East County Warriors out yep. here, and man, when he talks to me about lacrosse and, and the how much it's growing, <clears throat> I mean, it's it's really, really exciting. It's I was thinking about it, so I played football, and you know, I had eight documented concussions, and that probably means I had 20, 25. <laughs> I was going to ask, but I figured yeah. I would. Do. Right. So, I mean, Derek, CT, good to go in the game? it's going to be kicking in here pretty soon. <laughs> so you guys better I'm watch out. Um, but it's to, to see a sport like that where you can still have some contact, but it's not as brutal. And it's just a lot more, you know, hands-on and, and uh, hand-eye coordination. It's something that I would probably want to get my boys into. I have two boys. We're expecting our third child now, but it's, it's exciting that there is a sport, you know, cause I don't, I, to be honest, I don't want them to play football. Mm -hmm. I, I, if they choose to do that, that that's that's fine. But I I will 
do what I can to try to, you know, steer them somewhere else. So lacrosse seems like a pretty cool outlet to, to do that. It's funny that uh, we're connected by Todd. Todd has, uh, Todd's definitely a friend of the family with the seals. And awesome. Is uh, an evangelist for the sport, frankly, especially out here. Oh, he's awesome. Uh, in man. East County. And so the sport though, that we play, the product we put on, first of all, it's an entertainment product. Mm-hmm. It happens to be centered around lacrosse, but it is flat out an entertainment product. I, I love that you guys do that first because so many professional sports, they forget, they, they take the fans for granted. Well, but why do you go to sports? Why do you watch sports? Ultimately, it's about being entertained. Absolutely. Right? Maybe not when you, you know, in your playing days, Derek, mm-hmm. but from a consumer perspective, it's about being entertained. So let me explain for those of you who are familiar with the game. Ours is very different probably than what you've seen, what you've experienced, what you've even watched on TV or on the internet. The field game, as many of you know, is basically played on a soccer field in essence, right? 10 on 10. Uh, you know, it's, it's 110 yards long. Our field is the size of an ice hockey rink, 200 feet long, 85 feet wide. We play in Valley View Casino Center. You basically take the goals ice, you lay down insulation boards, you lay down turf on top, game on. Wow. It's six on six. It's 30 second shot clock. It's much more physical than the outdoor game. It's about 23, 24 goals per game is what you're going to see. Is that right? Cross-checking. Most cross-checking is legal in our game. It's physical. It's aggressive. It's high impact. It's high energy. It's pyro at intros. It's all the things that you want. <laughs> it's uh, it's dance team. It's Harley Davidson's. It's all that packed into a night of entertainment. And frankly, it's very affordable to bring the family, it's- which that – is difficult in this day and age it's to, got to bring a, lot a family of, of four or five as you're sure. soon to be. Right. I mean, there's things that, I mean, we noticed just with sports properties and, you know, for us, we're going to be hosting Royal Rumble for a WWE event. And mm-hmm. we've always been a fight night bar. So fight night is something that's, you know, sacred for us. You know, if it's a UFC event or if it's a boxing event, but WWE seems to have their pulse on the fan. And, you know, at, at ultimately they're giving entertainment right. and what you guys are providing is something that's actually real, a real actual game, yep. athletic game, but you're adding, you're not, you're not discounting the fact that people need to be entertained at multiple levels, depending on what age group is coming to, to watch the games and Sean, support the team. Sean, I'm glad you brought up WWE because I think it's oftentimes overlooked. And I hope I didn't, I hope that wasn't, you know, neg- negative. No, not at all. <laughs> WWE is number one globally in social media as far as sports entertainment properties. And that's a large reason for their success. And so if you want to emulate anybody, yes. And we can talk about it a little later about how the National Lacrosse League gets ascent, its rise. Loose modeling off Major League Soccer in some ways, not in all. But WWE has created something that people care about. They know it's fake, but there's still, what, 500 million plus social media followers across their different athletes and and the WWE-owned accounts. And that's fascinating to me. And it's because people innately want to be entertained. And what sports is, sports is the, the first, the a lot of people say real world on MTV was the first reality show, right? Yeah. Sports was the first reality That's show. Right. And it's scheduled history. You know something's going to happen. You know it's going to be documented. It's going to be captured. The results are going to live on forever. Some more largely known than others. But when you document history, that's something to it. But this is reality television. And in this case, you can be a part of it live in your, you know, in in person, we have tickets starting at fifteen dollars on a single game basis. You can bring your family. 
a hundred bucks all in for a night is not a bad deal here in San Diego no, or anywhere right. for it's that. It's probably yeah. cheaper than the movies. Yeah, it is. Seriously. The movies. A lot of people think that our competitors are the goals, are the soccer's, are the Aztecs, are the Padres. It's anything that vies for your discretionary income, sure. right? Anything that pulls from that. And in this market where, let's face it, we play November to April. It's still beautiful that time of year. We're fu- I was telling my wife, we, I, we just moved here less than a month ago. <laughs> Welcome and to San Diego. We're the San Di- thank you. We're the San Diegans who go to the beach in the winter because yes. for us it feels like you know spring, summer. Absolutely. Uh, but let's face it, the beach is free. Yes. You know, there's so many things here that you can do that don't cost money. But yes, the movie theater. I- I've been to one movie, by the way. In the past seven years, and I took my family. They wanted it was a Lego Batman movie, and it was sixty three dollars, I think, for the four of us to get in. And I thought they rang us up wrong. I was like, no, no, no. There's two adults, two kids, and she said, no, that's the price. And I was blown away. And uh, I'd much rather see something live in person, something you don't know the outcome to, something you can't rent a few months later for five dollars or six dollars. And you know what? Our players are incredibly accessible. We do post game autograph sessions it's real. It's a touch and feel and smell and interact environment that you don't get from something like the movies. Well, talk about, I, I find it fascinating. You're on the board of directors for the national lacrosse league. Is that correct? The for board of governors. Yep. For Mark specifically well, so, on the marketing committee. Well, so there's two different roles that I have. One is I serve on the marketing committee, which actually we had a, um, a call earlier this week, which was pretty interesting. But the other piece is um, I'm on the board of governors. And so what that means is when you hear for the NFL, for example, the owners meeting, mm-hmm. yes, the Board of Governors is – it means you represent your ownership. So some of the teams, their owner actually serves on the board. In other instances like ours, I serve representing our owner's interests. So I'm the alternate governor, Steve Govett, who's the team president. He's the governor. We have one vote. There are 11 teams. We each have one equal vote. And depending on the issue, it may need to be a 6-5, right? Simple majority. It may mm-hmm. need to be a super majority. Uh, but we have that representation for our owner as it comes to voting. And on the marketing committee, we talk about steering of the future for the league, where we want it to go, what what we want it to look like, and how we're going to get there collectively. Because as much as you think of sports teams as rivals, as competitors, we really are business partners. And we're business partners 365 days a year. And it's only for that 60 minutes, which our games are two and a half hours total, right? But 60 minutes of gameplay, that's the only time we're rivals. Right. We need to root for each other. We need to support each other. We need to aggregate content together. And when we do that, we become more relevant and we boost the familiarity and notoriety of the league and get it to a place where it becomes commonplace. And people say, oh, yeah, the National Lacrosse League. And when it's, hey, there's an expansion team coming somewhere. It actually means something to somebody, not just, hey, San Diego is getting another team. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Sean and I talk about that a lot. It's no matter what, no matter if it's lacrosse or, you know, what we do, it's like it or not, we're married and we need to create a movement that we all work together. So if we can all work together in a cohesive group and build everything and not just be, what can we do transactionally every single time? It's more of a, a bigger picture. That's where you start to win. And I, I really like that. You know, I was just sitting back thinking about it. You guys are embracing the the consumer experience and saying, how do we like baseball right now? They're seeing how, how can they cut down their their times, right? Because it's not as exciting. It's kind of lull you lull you to sleep a little bit if you stay too long, and you know it's, it's like a one one nothing one no one nothing game. What you guys are doing is 
making it exciting the whole time, kind of like a hockey that's closer, it's faster, there's more entertainment, more goals, you know, the pyro, all that stuff, and you're giving people an experience. And one of the differences as you bring up hockey is our score is three times what <clears throat> hockey's is. Totally. Right? Sure. So there's a lot of similarities, actually. If you look at box lacrosse, the game we play, there's a lot of similarities. You can compare it to basketball because there's a lot of two-man game pick and roll. So for those of you who watch basketball or play basketball, you understand that concept. And it's also a lot of hockey in the sense of substitutions on the fly, free-flowing. Obviously, the field size is the same. Uh, but there's a lot of differences. And we have fans in Colorado where I came from, the team I came from, which we averaged 15,500 fans a game in over 15 years. That's incredible. So it wasn't just a blip on the radar. So and Valley View Casino Center seats 13,000, and the goals consistently are ranking at the top. But to right. get 15,000 people to see indoor lacrosse, I mean, that is remarkable. And we can't do that. And here. The, we don't and have the enough sustain- seats. Yeah, the sustainability <laughs> is unbelievable. Right. But if you But if you think about – being able to entertain fans. We had people who were season ticket members in Colorado for 15 years and didn't understand all the rules. And you know what? It didn't matter <laughs> because they were there for a party. Right. The Calgary Roughnecks in our league, which are owned by the Flames in the NHL, the Roughnecks in our league, their slogan is come for the party, stay for the game. And I really <laughs> the think that nice. every uh, – oh, their dance team is called the Drill Crew. Uh, <laughs> that's true. But uh, that's great. If you, if you think about that as a concept, so many sports teams, so many sports properties – they think about it, come for the game, and oh, by the way, we'll try to sort of make it a party. But it's really, if you make it where the party comes first, I think that's how you engage 15,500 sure. fans per game. And you know what? If we have to play second, third, or fourth in the league as far as attendance goes because those other teams have more seating capacity, that's all right. But it's about ticket scarcity as well. That's the nature of our business, right? Supply and demand. Right. And so those 13,000 seats, I will guarantee it. I've said it to everybody, and this is not just trying to preach gospel. We will be sold out opening night. The hardest ticket to get in this market will be game two. And the reason for it is the most powerful form of marketing is word of mouth marketing. Mm-hmm. You have 13,000 fans at opening night. They're all going to go home. They're all going to post on social media. It's going to be the water cooler talk on Monday. And they're going to say, you won't believe what I just saw. And one of the reasons that we're successful, and I don't take this away. You know, I, I don't want to belittle any other league. We only play Friday and Saturday nights. And so oh, it's wow. nights that you expect to spend money, right? That's great. You know, when there are teams that have a Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday game, you say, ah, if I didn't go, I wouldn't spend that $50, $200. But you do expect to spend money over the weekend with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers, whatever it might be. That's when we play. And that's one reason that our attendance Has it always been high. Friday and Saturday night? Yes. Really? There are a couple of teams that choose Sundays. Uh, there's a team actually that's owned by the Mohegan tribe up in Connecticut. So they are, uh, they're part of Mohegan's Sun Arena. They play there. That uh, arena hosts the WNBA and also hosts the National Lacrosse League team. They play Sunday afternoons. As you can imagine, their business model is a little bit different. They're in a casino. Sure. So what does that mean? Right. Right. They want people to spend time. Gamble and stay yeah. there. And exactly. And the Absolutely. mall that's there. And so their model is a little bit different. But most of our teams in our league vie for Friday and Saturday nights. That's great. So talk to me about the players a little bit. How do you guys, what pool are you grabbing from? Are you grabbing from college graduates or can you be in college? Is it 18 and over? Who do you guys grab? So let me tell you who we grab, and then I'll tell you how we're going to get them. Because the number one question that we're getting asked right now is, who are your players? The answer is, we don't have any. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason we don't. So first off, our players are typically just graduated from college or come out of the Junior A League in Canada. And Junior A, you can be up to 21 years old. So as soon as those guys complete their Junior A playing experience, 
they then enter the draft in the National Lacrosse League. There are rare exemptions of guys who are younger who choose to forego their junior A careers. But if you're a hockey fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're not, that's fine too. But just think about it. Basically, 21, 22, 23-year-olds are the guys who enter the draft. That's the entry draft. So that's typical. You know, you see it in all sports. It's just called the entry draft because other leagues may not have additional drafts. The first process, actually, though, is going to be the expansion draft. And what that means, you saw it in the NHL when the Golden Knights came in, is teams can protect, existing teams can protect a certain number of their players, and then they leave a bunch of guys unprotected. And we, in essence, can take one player from each of the existing nine teams, and they become members of the SEALs. Then you have free agency, which is going to open. And for two reasons, for three reasons, sorry, this will be a very desirable market. One is it's America's (laughs) finest city, right? right? It sells itself. I I, I think the second most desirable market, (laughs) frankly, in our league is Denver. And I kind of look at Denver, which is where I came from. Denver and San Diego is kind of one and one A of fantastic places to live. Sure. the second piece to it is they want to play in place where there are fans, right? And there are some markets in our league. There's tons of fans, sold-out buildings, Buffalo. I mentioned ownership from NHL, the the uh, the owner of the Bills, and the Sabres owns the Bandits in our league, right? They do fantastic in packing that place. But I think that when we show them how many fans we have at games, fans are going to want to come here. And so if you think about it, how do you create a winning team in the National Lacrosse League? One of the ways is as fans come out and watch your team – because guys want to come to the markets that have the most fans. And then the third is who our owner is. Joe Tai, who is a global business person. And uh, you know what? He's so kind, passionate. Kind of a big deal. <laughs> kind of a big deal. Yeah. Co-founder He's, of Alibaba. Yeah. But you know what? He's so passionate about lacrosse. He played lacrosse. He played lacrosse in high school. He played, he played it in pick college. Up, pick up hoops also? Uh, he played a little bit of basketball. Yeah. He's, a, he's a smaller guy. Right. 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 Like Scrappy. the rest of us. Scrappy. Right? I like it. Uh, but uh, you know what? He, he truly loves the game. He wants what's best for the game. And I think that's exciting from a player perspective to have an owner who really cares not just about you as a player but about the betterment of the game there's so many people like the todd tobias who you mentioned earlier derek and about the growth of the game one of our 10 company pillars is grow the game and uh, so i think we're going to have some success in that in that uh that forum and then lastly is trades and uh, so when you couple those four you sign free agents, you have the expansion draft, you have the entry draft, and then you, you make some trades. We'll come to camp with 35 to 40 guys. We'll whittle that down to 20 players on our active roster, four practice squad players, and then we play. That's exciting. So the part of the thing that you were talking about with the WWE reference was, you know, turning it not just entertainment, but accessibility. And, you know, I think I saw it on the NLL um, website, but it's digital first is the focus for marketing. Can you talk about um, why that is and uh, how you guys are going to go about broadcasting games and getting fans engaged that aren't even in the seats? Well, what was it? Maybe 10, 15 years ago, kids were watching six hours of TV a day and that number is crashing. And if you look at what ESPN says, it's they count screens, they don't count TVs. Uh, And so we have to be digital first because that's the future and it's the present in fact. So we created an over-the-top platform in NLL TV. For those of you that don't know what OTT is, and it's a it's a sexy term that gets thrown around, but basically <laughs> the idea behind it was instead of having the middleman, which was your cable provider, you went you skipped over them straight to the content. And so NLL TV, we have every one of our games streaming on NLL TV. Uh, we have great numbers, great subscriber rates on NLL TV. Blew away what our you had, expectations. You had like four hundred, three hundred fifty thousand people so, on average watching so those games. That was Twitter. 
So we had a Twitter, Twitter game of the unbelievable. week. Unbelievable. Wow. Twitter did not. people watching those games. On average. And Twitter on was average. blown away. They didn't even believe their own numbers. Yes. And frankly, they capped We capped at just shy of a million viewers for the semifinals last year. Wow. Uh, and so that's a very valuable platform. And that was North America. And we're talking about expanding it globally. We also have some other uh, potential digital partners who have expressed tremendous interest based on, frankly, the Twitter Game of the Week numbers and our NLL TV subscriber rates. That the future of the National Lacrosse League is really bright because people want to consume this content. They like the content. It's easy to get. And it's going to be on one or two big carriers who you guys are – there's going to be a big smile on our faces that's and certainly awesome. on fans' faces when that's announced in the next couple months. Yeah, I mean part of the whole thing that we talk about a lot on this podcast when we bring in you know, Scott Heath, the president of Fox 5, or Matt Savant who runs the Gulls. I mean we've, the internet is equalizing things and the companies that are embracing that – not shying away from it, they're going to win. And it doesn't matter if you're a barbecue restaurant, if you're a butcher shop, or if you're a sports franchise. Like, it, There's no company that's too small or too big that can't gain, that give access and content to what people want. And if it's authentic, if it's not pushed, if it's not forced. You know, I was at um, a conference last week that was, uh, that was jointly held between a, a group um, up in a different part of uh, the country, but then also the San Diego Sport Innovators uh, group, which if you want to check those guys out, San Diego Sport Innovators, fantastic stuff. Uh, uh, they're an incubator. They're an aggregator. They're, they're they're awesome. And so I was at this uh, this event last week, and I was on one of the panels, which was the future of sport in San Diego. And uh, the keynote speaker who spoke uh, a couple of hours before I did was – Guy Kawasaki, who was with, uh, you know, with Apple back in 84 in, in, the, in the founding days. And he talked about uh, the art of disruption. And I get really sick of hearing authentic and, dis you know, I want to be authentic and I want to be dis disruptive. And nobody has ever explained it to me as well as he did in that hour. And it was fascinating. But I bring it up because he said something in there that really speaks to the core of, uh, of Steve Jobs. And I think should speak to the core of anybody who's looking to aspire to greatness in whatever job they have. And he said, a lot of people say it has to be seen to be believed, but actually flip that for a second. It has to be believed to be seen. And if Steve Jobs had ex and Guy Kawasaki and everybody else who was there had, had, had listened to the pundits and the naysayers, we would never have the iPhone. We would never have the iPod as the, as the iteration before it. We would never right. have the MacBook yep, or absolutely. the, right? We'd never have any of that. And you think about the world's most valuable company and that came from a lot of people saying, this will never work. And it also came from being nimble. And he pulled up uh, on his presentation where a press release from Apple said one thing, and then a year later said the exact opposite. <laughs> and that's because they learned. Sure. Right? And, and I think that it's very valuable in business and in life to be able to accept that you don't know everything. And when you learn that you were wrong, make the change, right? Yes, we talk right. a lot about this staff that we're building, and it's a tremendous staff. I'm super excited to work with them, and a lot of people far smarter than me in that room right now, and we're going to find more of them. But I've said to them, look, if we learn, we get better. And so I don't want you to follow one trajectory, one path, and say this is the way we're going to do it forever. If you figure out something's not working, let's figure it out and fix it. Let's right. change things. If you just think, okay, well, I told them this was our plan and our plan's not going, it's not getting us the return that we expected, well, then we better make changes. And I'd rather you come to me and we talk about how we get better as opposed to saying, no, we're good. 
right? Sure. Because if you're good, somebody's going to pass you. And a lot of things might pass you. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about it at the restaurant. We just had a staff meeting and we discussed, you know, we don't know what Cali Comfort is going to look like in 2023, but we know that we're going to embrace change and we're going to be willing to pivot and we're going to find different ways so that we can be a hospitality company. And what that looks like, I'm not sure, but I know that it, we need great people to get there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we opened as a breakfast restaurant. We didn't even do barbecue. And we're here doing a barbecue, you know, behind the smoke podcast, but barbecue has opened up doors for us, but it was also our opportunity to get in. And I mean, Derek and I became friends because of an amateur barbecue event that we put on to raise money for local youth sports, Mm -hmm. you know, and who would have thought that that, you know, that one event that we did for the community um, back when we're a breakfast restaurant would have turned us into a barbecue restaurant and to be here where we are today. Right. You're making me hungry. (laughs) I get to try this after, right? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's a, it's a big thing. You know, we want to make sure that everyone knows that it's not just uh, on a macro level, you know, you on a micro level, you can make those changes too. And, you know, being able to, to adapt and, and understanding that it's okay to be wrong, you know, and it's, I wish, I mean, getting on off topic a little bit, but you know, I listen to Rhonda Patrick talk a lot and she's a doctor and, you know, she's saying, you know, the research that I did, Eight years ago, I was wrong on some of the things. And now I'm saying, hey, here, here's what we're learning because it's forever changing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people that are reading textbooks that are written 20 years ago on medicine, it's not the same as it is today. And we've learned so much. And it's okay to say, hey, what I told you to do 10 years ago and what medicine to take, and you know, that, that, that wasn't right. And here's, here's how we have to change it. If you're not humble enough, you don't have the humility to do that. You're going to get passed up and yeah. people are going to see past that. So you always have to, you know, keep that humility and know that it's okay to be wrong. Embrace it. That organic thing will actually help you tenfold. And it has to come from leadership though. You know, no, no matter what the organization is, if it's not embraced from the top down, then there's no possible way for it to come from the bottom up. I mean, it, it's, it's just way too hard because the old way of doing business is not is not going to work moving forward. I mean, I, you know, Toys R Us, the local Toys R Us that my mom took me to, you know, in Mission, like it's going to be closed and I can't take my son there. Yeah. You know, my son's six months old, but that's because they didn't change. You know, they did the same thing, business as usual. And, you know, to be a new, I, I mean, the National Lacrosse League has been around for 32 years, but you guys are adapting to the market in a way that the NFL can't do. You know, they're, they, they just can't do because of the size they can do. I mean, they can do it on a micro scale, but it gives you guys incredible desirability to be, I mean, which is why someone like Josiah would purchase, you know, this new franchise, right? Yeah. The timing was, was really good. So let me date back a little bit. So in the, in the two thousands, there was rapid expansion in our league and it wasn't strategic expansion. So one of the requirements now is you can't, enter into an expansion agreement. So you can't get an expansion team without having an arena deal that's desirable. And so kudos to Ernie Hahn and, and his staff at Value View Casino Center for embracing us so much and for frankly giving us a chance and Value View Casino Center a chance to succeed that's awesome. in us coming here. That's awesome. And yeah. there were teams in our league that played in Madison Square Garden where getting Friday and Saturday nights is impossible. <laughs> yeah. And Good luck. you know, when you when you approach a Madison Square Garden or an arena like that, there was one in Boston as well at the Garden. When you approach those types of buildings, you don't have much negotiating power. And so when it comes to the ancillary revenue streams, the food and beverage, um, the parking, your merchandise setup, whatever it might be, uh, you're limited, if not shunned. Well, they're stuck. A lot of it's stuck in their ways and they're stuck in contracts that don't make sense anymore. 
you know, frankly, you, you have to have someone like Ernie Hahn that's willing to realize exactly what the arena is. It's a 50 year old building, Yeah. but we could still make it sexy and bring in all these different partners and make it a dynamic space where, you know, the goals can launch their rebranding and they're coming into the league. And then now you, the San Diego seals can come in and I mean, it, it's very, very exciting if you have those right partnerships. Yeah. So what we did was we got back to basics. We found franchises that were stable that wanted to do business the right way. And then two years ago, we brought in Nick Sakevich, who's our commissioner. He comes, he was a founding member and MLS uh, executive from, from the get-go in Major League Soccer. Comes over to the National Lacrosse League two years ago, brings several incredibly talented people who he's worked with uh, in various aspects of his professional career, brings them on board in the NLL office and lays out a five-year strategic plan about a year and a half ago. And without that strategic plan, without his vision, I wouldn't have moved to San Diego. The National wow. Lacrosse League was going to it was going to continue to exist, but it was it was kind of um, uh, plateaued, I think, as far as national or North American or global relevance. And he has this league headed in a place that we only dreamed or couldn't even dream of the direction that he has it going, and that's a testament to him. And to Kevin Morgan and Dave Rowan and Ashley Dabb and their entire staff, and frankly, all of the owners in the National Lacrosse League who were in at that time, who agreed to double down in the league office. It costs money, right? Things cost money. And you can't do things on a shoestring budget if you want to do things as well as, as you possibly can. We wish you could, right? And yes, you sure. hear great stories about startups when we started with $400 now, right? But it's much more challenging to do so. And so... We invested back into the league. This is when I was in Colorado. We invested back into the league. And that led to Joe ultimately taking a look at, at what this league is. And uh, he was approached by our now team president, Steve Govett, who was president and GM in Colorado. And Joe said, I want to do this. I want to do it with you, Steve. And I want to do it in San Diego. Wow. And, uh, and Steve said to me, hey, Josh, you're coming with me. Because we've been business partners for uh, 13 years. And I said, I don't know if I am, uh, and not because I didn't want to, but because again, my wife had a job to win, right? Exactly, <laughs> and uh, and I couldn't be more more happy, or frankly, more lucky to to be in this position with some, uh, you know, in an amazing city, a city that I've always, you know, kind of had an eye on, and uh, and working with great people. And let me just tell you, I say a city I've had an eye on. That's not a lie. <laughs> so Denver gets a bad rap, right? Because if you go, you know, you you turn on CBS and you watch a, a Broncos game. And they show those scenic, you know, intro shots, whatever it is, and and there's people skiing or there's a lot of snow, right? That tends to be two, three, four hours actually from the stadium. And so Denver's actually a pretty mild climate. Most of the snow dumps in the mountains, and and Denver is the start of the plains, actually. And so Denver's great, but there is some bad weather every now and again. And bad weather could mean rain or snow, whatever it might be. So every day in our office for six, seven, eight years. The joke was San Diego Sand Crabs. San Diego Sand Crabs. Right. And, and we'd walk in anytime it was snowing, whatever it is, San Diego Sand Crabs. And we didn't care what league. We didn't care what sport. We said, we're not going to have a physical office. We're going to use Wi-Fi on the beach. But it was awesome. always San Diego. It was That's never awesome. anywhere else. And then the fact that Steve connected with Joe and Joe said it had to be in San Diego. Now, I didn't get my team name. I didn't get the Sand oh. Crabs. <laughs> the Sand uh, Crabs. <laughs> but I think the Seals is actually much more uh, fitting uh, for, for this city. And uh, I got my sand crabs 
I love the seal's name. I love the logo. Um, I was very fortunate to be part of that process as Let's well. Let's talk that about that process. process. Yeah, yeah. That, that's fascinating to us. No matter what kind of brand or company you're building, you've well, got we're, to- we're pretty particular on stuff like that too. Yeah. It's like that's that's going to be the basically the forefront of what people are looking at to to see. And you know, my logo, Sean's logo. I mean, it, it takes a lot of time to to come up with those things. You know, so how did you guys come about that? Yeah. Well, it takes a lot of time or no time, depending on if you want to <laughs> yeah. invest in that's it. True, that's right? true. That's yeah. true. So it was a long process. There's a company uh, called Adrenaline, um, no E at the end, Adrenaline based in Denver. And they do tremendous work. And they've worked with literally hundreds of professional and collegiate teams. They work with conferences. And Adrenaline actually designed the Colorado Mammoth logo, the team that I came from. They designed that logo back in 2002. And uh, kept in touch with them over the years. They do great work. And so we enlisted their help in this process. And we talked about what we envisioned the logo might look like. We talked about what we wanted to stand for. And we said, you know what? Give us one kind of cartoonish look that will probably be our Kids Club logo at some point. And otherwise, we didn't want really caricature sure. in, the, in the mark. The very first logo they showed us, which was designed as the idea of, hey, it's going to be a kids club mark, or maybe it's one of the ones that you'll like to get there, was eerily similar to what our final logo wow. actually became. Yeah. It was amazing and a little bit disappointing, and I'll only tell you why <laughs> for one reason. So the Colorado Mammoth, um, Steve has this actually amazing sheets of paper because it wasn't digital back then sheets of paper of the evolution of the mammoth logo from stuff that doesn't resemble the mark to where they got to today and when i see the seals logo and it was so darn close the very first one we looked at i wanted to be able to hang in the office this, yeah, the this evolution, evolution. <laughs> right. and it's like the evolution is really not significant now what they do is everything's in black and white you don't lay in color templates uh, uh and palettes until the end but it was in black and white. Our our mark, if you go to sealslax.com, you can check it out. It has, uh, the crown has, uh, you know, it's a trident on top, right? right. Which is uh, an ode to, uh, you know, to the Navy and, and the SEALs community. Um, they had five uh, spokes, actually, on the crown. We said, no, it's got to be three. But the face was almost identical to that face. Wow. Um, and the, it's a pentagon behind it. No, it's not a pentagon. Yeah, it is a pentagon. No, no, six sides. Um, yeah. As you showed me the, the cold brew nitro, right? Oh, with, there you uh, go. With the trident. Yeah. Um, but it was a slightly different shape. And this shape actually loosely resembles the head of a lacrosse stick. It doesn't have straight edges on a lacrosse stick. doesn't come to points. But it is loosely resembling of the head of a lacrosse stick. Um, the seal is both friendly and ferocious. And uh, so, again, we saw other versions of it. But I was so disappointed that, <laughs> that they hit it spot on the very first one. They're like, we're excited to show you this one. They showed us a bunch of others. And they became our secondary and tertiary marks. We do have a kids club mark, which is a friendly seal. We haven't revealed it yet. But a friendly seal holding a <laughs> stick. Um, that will come out pretty soon. But uh, it was such an exciting process. And, and our owner, Joe, was very involved um, in creating this brand. That's really cool. And then talk about the reveal that you guys did. Cause so it's, it's part of, uh, you know, it, it's great PR because we watched part it of the story. Thank you. Part of the story. And, uh, you guys did a great job. Tell Thank us you. How that came to fruition. So there have been three milestones thus far for the team publicly. One was the announcement of the expansion team coming. We did not reveal a name or logo at that time. That was in late August. The second, the one that you're talking about was on October 24th. And we did that in La Jolla Cove. And we wanted to, in a big way, because everything we do is going to be larger than life with our team, we wanted to unveil the name and the logo in the ocean uh, with a dive team 
because right. what are seals? Sea, right. air, and land, right? Uh, and so we did that with a dive team with a 2,500-square-foot banner in the ocean <laughs> where we showcased it. And you know what? We did it on a rooftop of a, of a hotel there so you could look down on it. We had a drone flying over it to capture amazing footage, and you had kayakers out there uh, wondering what was going on. And uh, 2,500 square foot is pretty darn big. Yeah. It's pretty small in the ocean, <laughs> uh, but it's pretty big. And then uh, the third milestone we did was December 12th, uh, which was at Brick and Liberty Station, a really cool uh, event venue space. And we did our jersey reveal. And it was a women's only event. And we had 12 models, six male, six female models. And uh, another, you know, that it costs money. We talked about it costs money, right, sure. to do things. Uh, but we we put on that event and uh, the response was absolutely tremendous to the jersey. It's uh, and we did it strategically so people had time for their holiday shopping to be able to purchase a seals jersey and That's put cool. it under the Christmas tree or for Hanukkah or whatever it might be. And you also got jerseys to local media, custom jerseys. We did oh. yours. Uh, we need to get yours printed. The two of you guys, you know, we got to <laughs> we'll get that it, produced. We'll, we'll take a behind the smoke jersey. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. But yes, that that actually worked really well for us and the media here has embraced us unlike what we got in Denver. Yeah. Uh, the Broncos, and, and it's not just because the Chargers have left. Sure, that helps, right? Um, but the media here is looking for things that San Diegans might want to latch on to. And in Denver, it's Broncos or bust as far as media coverage. Sure. Here, it seems like they're much more open, and the goals get coverage, and the soccers get coverage, and you know, F- 1904 FC, which is a new soccer team that may be coming in, gets coverage, and, right? And so... They really have enjoyed the narrative thus far, and it's our responsibility. It's the job of, of Sherry Menden, who's our director of marketing, promotions, and fan development. It's the job of our content team uh, to create a narrative that people want to follow, and that leads to media coverage. The media thus far has been tremendous. Yeah, I think uh, you know traditional media, having grown up in San Diego and being sports fans the way that Derek and I are, um, you know, when you are in an NFL city, you take the other sports for granted um, because of the numbers and where we used to be back in the day. Uh, San Diego has learned a lot now that we do not have our uh, chargers here, um, especially understanding that the gulls are doing the right things. The seals are doing the right things. If you do the right things and you have the pulse of the community, then that's where the story is, you know, and that's, if you're a good journalist, that's where you're going to go to cover it, mm-hmm. you know, because you can share that with the community and that's what people want. But it takes work. It right? does take work. It takes it, a, a lot journalist, of work. As a journalist, it's easy and sometimes even lazy to just cover one sport, a yeah. sport you know. Sure. Right? But ultimately, the way that they're judged is based on viewership and ratings. They're judged based on web clicks like the rest of us are. Yeah. And so when even in this market, when you have – the disgruntled Charger fan who is reluctantly following the team still says, I don't care, I love my team, or says, I hate my team. It's kind of the Howard Stern effect mm-hmm. because they're still getting great web traffic and great viewership when they're talking Chargers, but they have to craft the story a little bit differently. Howard Stern, right? If you want, if anyone who's seen the movie Private Parts, right. you know, it's well documented in there that people who hated Howard Stern listen to him more than people who loved him. And it was because they wanted to hear what he would say next. Right. And, uh, and that's what we have to do from a narrative perspective is we have to want you to know what's next. And frankly, our game presentation, which we invest heavily in, we actually have our, our new game presentation director is starting in two weeks and, uh, he's done it at the highest level. We're really thrilled uh, to have him coming aboard. 
I've told him that you need to offend some people with your presentation. I know that may sound crazy, but the point is if you never tiptoe the line, then you never know where the line actually is. And I don't want us to be vanilla. The National Lacrosse League is not vanilla. And for we're not for everybody. I don't think any product in the world is for everybody. If you're somebody, you listen to this, and you want that more safe, comfortable, vanilla presentation, then I would say we're probably not right for you. And that's okay. But if you like a little bit of edge, you like a little, you know, a little kick to your, uh, your barbecue sauce, right? Yeah. If that's what you like, then we probably are right up your alley. And you're going to love most of the things we do. And there's going to be other things that miss, like great comedians. Every great comedian has been booed off stage <laughs> at some point. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's what we are, right? We're going to try things. And some of them, you're going to say, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Other things you're going to say, yeah, it's pretty good. And other things you're going to say, wow, that missed. Well, that's but you know what? If you don't, in. right. But that's if you don't growth. try it, you're never going to get better in business. Right. So talk to me about the structure of, of, you know, how many games are there? Is there a championship? Is, um, what time are the games at? What, yeah. what, what can we expect? So our games are start, we'll start at seven or seven 30 in the evening. Um, there is a championship. Otherwise, what are you playing for? Right. <laughs> and, uh, it's an 18 game season, nine home, nine road. Okay. Our season ticket membership is actually a 10 game package. We build in the first home playoff game. You might say that's a little bit aggressive at the beginning because, <laughs> you know, we're an expansion team, but, that money carries over if we don't host that game. We have a season ticket membership that starts at $70. That's $7 a game. It's amazing. To entertain it's your family. Incredible. $7 per game. And you know you can sit in the lower level in really good seats for about 20 bucks a game. But there's, Valley View with there's 13. There's not a bad seat there, in Valley There Duke isn't. Actually, Absolutely we took the staff not. to a goals game a couple weeks ago. Unbelievable. And I took them up to the very top row of the arena just so they could see what that vantage point is. There really isn't a bad seat. Yep. And uh, and so you can come in 28 bucks a game if you want to be in there as a family. $28 to get in there on the season ticket membership. And uh, you know what? People are going to be – they're going to feel like it's the best money they've ever spent because the memories they're going to make with their kids, sure. um, with their spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever it is, they're going to love it. Well, I'm going to get four. I'm going to do four and I'm going to give them to my employees. Unfortunately, it's uh, a little bit past my kids' bedtime uh, right now, <laughs> but uh, I'll buy four season tickets and um, give them to people and, and just kind of sharing the, you know, like I said, with Todd Tobias and what he does out here in the East County with the lacrosse. And um, I think it's just really exciting. It's just it's something exciting for everyone to be able to go do something different and um, to learn and experience that. Like you said, it's going to be an experience when you come to these shows. I'm, I can't wait, man. I can't wait for the season to start. I know it's November when we're going to get it, but um, I think that'll be really, really cool for not just us, but I mean, the whole city of San Diego is something else to look forward to. So Derek, you talk about bedtimes and, and I actually find it funny <laughs> because my wife and I were such sticklers about routine for our kids. <laughs> were, were, you, were you guys baby wise? Cause I'm, we're my wife and I are reading the baby wise book and it's about scheduling out. Their nap times, play times, and sleep times. I guess I was without knowing. Without, <laughs> oh, you were, you My were wife's the <laughs> ultimate planner and scheduler. So she, she, sounds she, like baby wife. Right. But, right but uh, you know, my so our games were at seven o'clock in Colorado, <clears throat> and so for the first couple of years, my son never saw a game. Right. My son's older than my daughter. He's seven now. My daughter's four, and then they started coming, and it was a special treat because they'd go to bed seven thirty. That's where we special are. Special treat to stay till halftime. And then my wife 
you know, I was working. My wife right. took them home and, and it was a late bedtime. They usually fell asleep in the car and she transported them from the car into their beds. Uh, and it wasn't until two seasons ago, actually, that they saw their, the end, the first game they ever saw the ending of. And it was because the Avalanche had a stadium series game that night at Coors Field, the baseball stadium in town. And so we had a three o'clock game, which we never do, but they were playing at six and that was national television that drove that. So we had a three o'clock game. And so my kids saw the ending of a game. And then the playoff game that year, which, uh, which we lost, uh, my, they left, I think late third quarter, got home. The game went to overtime and my son's like, mom, I don't want to go to bed. I want to see the end of the game. He's delirious at that time. Can't, right. right. And, uh, and we lost in overtime. It's a, it's a sudden oh. victory, sudden death, however you want to call it overtime. And he started crying. <laughs> um, and it was the, so that was the second game that he ever saw the ending to, but it amazes me. And look, I'm not going to judge parents. You know, what's right for your kids. Mm-hmm. And, and there's plenty of things I do poorly as a parent, right? But it's a live and learn type experience. But I see parents sometimes with their really young kids at sporting events late into the night. And, and I just, it wasn't right for our family. It may be right for them, but, uh, it was pretty cool for my kids to get to the age eventually where they can see the end result of a right. game and not just say, okay, I saw half of it. They had a great time at half of it. You know what they actually stayed for was the, the blimps at halftime. They'd love to stay and watch the blimps fly around and right. drop coupons, and then they'd take off. Sure. That was usually a routine. That's great. Uh, so Ian Aspinall, he's one of our managers over at the restaurant. He, uh, he actually coaches with Todd under Todd. Um, and he, you know, they have about 150 kids out here in East County and, you know, we let them know that we were going to have you on the podcast and they were really excited and they wanted to know what you guys are going to do as far as outreach for the sport of lacrosse, um, you know, building up the sport and kind of bringing kids that have never seen a professional lacrosse game into the process. It's like you scripted it. I really wanted to go in that direction <laughs> right now. So I'm glad you brought it up at this point. What we're going to do, what I thought we were going to do until a week ago was really big. And then what I found out, and I can't reveal, unfortunately, too many details, but I'll be able to do soon. You can have me back and I can tell you the full platform right. on this because it's going to blow you guys away. Awesome. And we can do an hour just on that. We love it. But, we created a program called Ticks for Sticks. And so when Todd Tobias purchased his season tickets, every seat he buys, we're donating a stick and balls to an underprivileged kid in the local community. Every go. single season ticket membership. Okay. And so you think about it, $70 wow. right, you can get in for, and we're spending the money to buy a stick and balls. That's really cool. But above and beyond that, you know, basketball, kids learn how to shoot whenever you see their friends doing it. Sometimes with lacrosse, you may need a little bit of help just to pick up that stick for the first time and learn. Every underprivileged kid who receives a, a stick and balls before they get it or where they get it is going to be a free clinic that our pro players, our SEALs players, actually <laughs> lead for these kids. Wow. So our goal was 5,000 sticks in the community and to seed all around San Diego County and into the 18 different neighborhoods to seed sticks in there as a way to grow the game, as a way as a fan development initiative to make them future SEALs fans. Uh, but we struck a deal a week ago. That, again, I can't do, go into too much detail yet on. Um, but that 5,000 number, <laughs> it's going to be much, much, much bigger than that. Wow. And uh, that it's really, comprehensive really cool. with school programs. I surprised our staff on Thursday last week at the, um, the event I spoke at. And I said, from when school starts back up in late August, coming back from winter, uh, summer break through opening night, 200 community appearances in a span of two and a half, three months. And their jaws dropped. And I said, yeah, it's three a day. We're going to have to do three appearances a day and meaningful appearances. It doesn't do any good to go there and get out, right? If you just say, okay, I just need to check a box, you didn't provide much value. But if you go there and you have really meaningful engagement with kids, 
that works well. One program we did uh, in Colorado was where we actually we heard from the phys ed teachers, hey, we'd love to teach lacrosse, but we don't have the equipment and we didn't play it, so we don't know how to teach it is we'd go in with our pro players and actually teach the game to the kids in phys ed classes. Wow. And that was a really cool program. Uh, so we will be doing that. Uh, we'll be focusing on anti-bullying. We'll be focusing on healthy lifestyle. And uh, you know, I know the goals really committed themselves to this marketplace. I feel like with the SEALs, you're going to be sick of hearing, about, oh, the SEALs are here again. They're in my community again. But that's really our commitment to you and our commitment to San Diego. And we wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, I think it's so important. I mean, Derek and I, we became as good friends as we are because of underprivileged youth and raising money for sports. Uh, you know, what we learn from coaches as well as in the classroom, but we learned a lot from coaches that we didn't learn in the classroom, you know, about teamwork, about accountability, about being punctual, about all kinds of different aspects of being a man or what obviously not a woman, but being a man and learning these things that have helped us to this day, you know, and it's so important to give people opportunity, but also to foster that growth in the sport. Um, it's tremendous. You know, when I was in high school, I think, I think when I was, uh, so I graduated in 2000, so maybe 1998 or so I was at Bishops in La Jolla. That's probably when they started the lacrosse program and it was brand new. Mm-hmm. It was like, what's the sport coming from the East coast? Yep. It's just, you know, they got sticks and it's kind of like football and it's kind of like hockey. Uh, but it was brand new, but it caught on so fast that my younger brother, who's four years younger than me, he, I mean, he loved lacrosse, absolutely loved it. He actually loved it more than he loved football, mm-hmm. you know, and now to see how far it's come to where we are today, where, you know, all the, all the colleges, every college has one, USD, UCSD. There's a lot of teams that have club programs, club frankly, programs. Okay. Um, the PAC 12, uh, Larry Scott, the commissioner, he's very interested in, in it being a sport that is seen throughout you know, on the men's side, frankly, uh, of the schools, because a lot of the women's programs have them. Uh, University of Utah just announced, I was going to say earlier this year, but in late 2017, that they're adding Division One men's lacrosse, uh, I think in the 2019 season. And so there are challenges, as we know, with any NCAA sports and, and with, um, you know, all the great that uh, that Title IX does. It also, at some times, can be a little bit limiting when there is funding for a men's sport, but then you also have to find it to coincide on the women's side. Absolutely. Uh, and so, but Utah is the first. And I'll tell you what, I think there's going to be a domino effect um, that, that, that stems from it. University of Florida on the women's side, the Gators added women's lacrosse, I want to say around eight years ago. Uh, and two or three years in, they were top two team in the country. No way. Because let's face it, look, I went to Syracuse for school and I come out here and I say, what was I doing? Like, <laughs> how dumb was I to go there uh, when I could have been at, you know, UCSD or SDSU or USD, whatever it is. Uh, and I think that it's going to be able to attract a lot of the, the top talent. And whereas it was, it's a hub and spoke sport, right? It really grew from, from Baltimore, central New York, Long Island and, and spread its way, spread its tentacles across the country. But it used to be so rare for guys from Texas and Colorado and California and Washington to be recruited and play Division One, and now it's a regularity. It's you have to be smart, a smarter recruiter as a college coach because there's so much talent spread out throughout the country that if you don't go and recruit them, you're not going to be competitive enough. Sure. Yeah, well, in in San Diego and out here at least, it's once we grab onto something, it's we're fortunate that we can play it year round. You know, because yeah. there is no uh, snow on the ground, fortunately, out here. And so we can play like the baseballs and the footballs. You know, you can play a year-round sport. So. Derek, my son started lacrosse, uh, Pacific lacrosse, 
uh, a couple weekends ago. And the first day, the first Saturday was 80 degrees. But <laughs> last Saturday that. was a frigid 60. Ooh, right. Okay? That's, fr- that's freezing and, in San Diego. And so, like, I'm always cold. So I was cold. But, you know, a frigid 60, it's supposed to be 75, I think, on uh, this Saturday. But the point, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And so if you look at baseball players, where do they tend to come from? They tend to come from, you know, the Southern Californias, yeah. the Arizonas, the Florida, right? Warm weather uh, places. And so I don't care for my kids whether they grow up to be great athletes. I care about the life lessons that you talk about, right? What it gives to, what it means to uh, to a child, what they can learn, what they can experience with it, teamwork, winning and losing, right? Passion, 100%. friendships, all these things. And so ultimately, yes, my son is playing lacrosse right now. I don't care if he plays lacrosse as he gets older. If he doesn't like it, let's move on to something else. I just want to give my kids opportunities. I know how important sports is. And I said to him when we moved here, I think it was a day or two after we got here, I said, what's really cool about San Diego is you can play sports year-round because in a lot of other places you can't and you cannot. And so if you embrace that, you're going to love the game that much more. And I don't want to, over, you know, there are so many parents who push their kids and push their kids, and it's about right. the college scholarship. I will tell you, anyone who's listening to this, if your kid plays lacrosse or you want your kid to play lacrosse, do not do it for a college scholarship. First off, NCAA Division One programs, there's not a lot of scholarships to go around, and the teams are 50 guys. They're not like football where basically every guy is getting a scholarship. It's not like that at all. You're lucky if you get a quarter or an eighth of a scholarship. What you can use athletics for is if your kid gets really good, and enjoys playing, use it to get into a school that may have been a reach school for, the, for for he or she. Use it to get that extra 100 to 200 points on your SATs or a few extra points worth on your ACTs. That's what it should be used for. But the rigors and demands, especially for non-revenue sports at the NCAA level, are there just like they are on the revenue-generating sports, right? And so just realize that's a ch- – and you went through it, Derek, right? I mean, it's a lot to be a student athlete. And – you know, the NCAA has them, you know, mostly people not going pro in sports. Well, that's a reality. And when it comes to lacrosse, I don't know what, you know, if lacrosse is going to be million dollar, multi-million dollar salaries at that point. It's not right now. But again, not a reason for your kids to play. Have them play because they love it and they love hanging out with their buddies. You could probably avoid some of the smelly gear they come home with, if you, you know, but <laughs> sure. aside from that, it really does, you know, it builds character. And and that's why I have my kids playing in whatever sport they choose. Now, there's no, no better life lessons that I learned than from on the field. I mean, it, it really is. Uh, we're seeing, I'm just started and this is my first year. I'm coaching my little son. He's three years old and then T-ball and he might be a little young to be playing, but we're, we're letting him play. <laughs> and it's, it's not necessarily about going out there and, and you know, Hit, learning how to hit and do that, but it's just about being with everybody, learning those lessons, learning how to take instruction, how to, you know, there's going to be different groups and you got to do different things. It's, it's not necessarily about just that sport. It's mm-hmm. about what he's, what's he going to learn and how, you know, let's see what kind of kid is he? Is he a kid that, you know, falls down and starts crying all the time and, and wants to run to mommy or is he, is he going to dust it off and say, okay, I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to go back and do it again. And, you know, those are the things that for me, it took me a long time to understand that. And, I'm so happy that I was able to to wrestle and 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 play football and play baseball all throughout my my career. Um, but you know, it teaches you so much about yourself. I mean, just sports in general. You know, for me, wrestling was a sport that taught me more than anything about myself because it's you versus one person. And if you you can't wait for someone else to make a tackle, you can't you know hope someone else is going to hit a home run. It's if you mess up, you're going to lose. So yeah. I wrestled. I wrestled one year. Uh huh. 
uh, when I was in eighth grade. By the way, some of my uh, my coworkers are here and they're learning a lot of stuff. They're going to bring it back to the that's, office. That's what happens when you podcast. Uh, you learn but, learn all kinds of stuff. But in eighth grade, I weighed ninety three pounds. I assume you probably weighed from your statue. Ninety four. Ninety four. I was going to put you. I was going to put you in the one hundred three weight class, but I'll go with ninety four. So I weighed ninety three pounds. And uh, I was wrestling with all eight, uh, sixth graders when I was in eighth grade because what eighth grader weighs what I did. Right. I was a scrawny little kid. And uh, so my freshman year of high school, they really wanted me to wrestle because the lowest weight class is 103. Right. And I was the only kid who actually would have been in the 103 weight class. So I wouldn't have gotten to wrestle against a lot of people because it would have been forfeit wins for our high school because right. they didn't have people in that, that weight class. But I was their lack of options. So it was kind of like, well, well, we would take him. I didn't end up doing it. I, I played um, uh, a couple other sports in high school. But, uh, yeah, me in a singlet is something that should never be seen. I hope there's no <laughs> pictures of uh, when my parents pass away and we have to sort through all the – you know, I've gone through a ton of boxes. But That's I've yet to find a wrestling picture, and I think we should keep it that way. Right. I still have some of my singlets because we got singlets if, when we went to state and all that stuff. So we got special singlets. But I did see for the first time this year – that my high school during a dual meet, I need to really, you know, look into this, but they weren't wearing singlets. They were in shorts and um, tight shirts. Um, and it was all, you know, everything was, uh, you know, their colors and all that, but it was like their uniform. I think they got away from singlets this year. So our league, the national lacrosse league. And if you want to look on the internet, look for, you know, Steve Govett, Philadelphia wings. It's G O V E T T. He's our team president. You might be able to find some pictures in the 90s. These guys wore spandex instead no of way. shorts. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And there's been a joke about, you know, if you do an <laughs> 80s or a 90s night, should we bring that back? The current players are not really in favor of it, but I think we could probably appeal to 50% of the population who might right. enjoy, uh, you know, a retro night. No, tell, tell us a little bit about your relationship with Steve because, uh, I mean, he has a diverse background, yeah. which makes him such a powerful executive to go from a player to a coach to front office to a GM and to now a president. Um, tell, tell us about, you know, your relationship with him, okay, how, well, how you guys met. Well, let's talk about his coaching career for a second. Okay. <laughs> it was putrid. Um, <laughs> so he took over as interim, interim coach in Colorado when he had to make a change in the coaching ranks and he didn't know who we wanted to put in at that time. And, uh, he, he, he won his first two games and we told him to get out. We're like, get out while you're ahead. Right. Best, best uh, winning so you knew. of all time. You knew he wouldn't be a good coach. No, no. I just, you know, the team actually was not, it was not that good at that time. And uh, they lost their next five and then he put a coach in. So it was two and five. But anyway, uh, that aside. Yeah. So Steve, um, Steve will joke around about why he got to where he did. And he got to play uh, in world championships. And uh, so, but he, he has a great business sense. He's got a great business mind. He was a GM of golf courses uh, earlier in his career. And, and uh, there's a great similarity between golf and and professional sports because we sell a perishable item. We sell time. And just like an airline seat that goes unsold, well, a ticket to our game, if there's a seat that's empty, there's no revenue potential from that. There's no fan who can experience it and word of mouth marketing and go tell other people. And so he was a player uh, from 94 to 98 and won three championships in five years. He was with Philadelphia. He played in the Spectrum and they played sold out 16, 17,000 fans. And then they offered him a job as the GM, which at the time was a part-time role. Uh, so he did that. And then he became uh, ultimately the full-time uh, GM and president in Washington, D.C., a very undercapitalized organization that ultimately relocated. He helped facilitate the sale to Colorado and, and took the show on the road. Uh, I want to divert, and then I'll come back to our relationship 
but I got to tell you, his his first ever game, his his now wife is there, his now in laws were at that game, <laughs> and he says, "I want to make my presence felt." I'm stealing his thunder. He should tell you the story himself. He'll tell us a lot better. But I want to announce, make my presence felt. Let everybody know this place is rocking. Spectrum's full, etc. So he says, "Okay, how do I do this?" So he says during intros when they announce number forty four, Steve Govett, he says, "I'm going to run out and I'm going to jump up on the glass." Run across the field, jump up on the boards, pound the boards, right? I'm here. You get to know me. And uh, dark in the building, spotlight on him, right? And and uh, so he sees his jersey through the reflection. He's like, okay, I got about another three, four steps. <laughs> and as it turns out, that was a young fan in the stands who probably had more hair than him um, who was three rows up. And so he crashes into the board. <laughs> and there's video of this, by the way. Oh, it came a little bit we're, sooner we're than we anticipated. When we get the video, we're putting it in the show notes. Yes. Every, everything we talk about today, there'll be links into the show notes. Perfect. That, that sounds fantastic. Crashes, bam, falls down, bloodies up his face. <laughs> his first ever game. Over the PA system in the spe- Dr. So-and-so, please report to the women's locker room. Doctor, right? So he goes back in the locker room. His jersey's covered in blood, gets cleaned up, is it right? And he plays in uh, – we have a, a blood jersey in our league, nice. which is just – it means that if for whatever reason jersey gets ripped, gets blood on it, whatever it is, you just throw on. There's always a, a spare. So he throws that on, scores a goal in that game, and it gets credited to somebody else. And so he, to this day, will tell you that his career numbers, he deserves one more goal. So, uh, But that's a little bit about Steve. So anyway um, – I got to know him my third day in Denver. I had an informational interview at Kroenke Sports, which for those of you who don't know Kroenke Sports, Nuggets, Avalanche, Mammoth, Rapids, Pepsi Center, Dick Sporting Goods Park, which is where the Rapids play, uh, multiple television networks, right? You know Stan Kroenke, obviously, from the St. Louis to now LA Rams. So I had an informational interview with four people. Steve was one of the four. And they told me, look, we don't have a job for you, but, you know, keep in touch. We like you. So I did and ultimately latched on with the Colorado Crush, the arena football team, which was owned a third by Kroenke Sports, a third by Pat Bolin, who owns the Broncos, and a third by John Elway. And I sat not down the hall from Steve. I sat down. He had an office. I sat down a hall, around a bed, down another hall, and then I was in a cube there. And I was an account executive. I was selling season and group tickets for the Crush. And I'm loud. And uh, (laughs) I'm really loud. And he hated me, <laughs> despised me. He would hear me all day long and a couple times a week. He, so his, the office next to his was Ron Sally, who was the president of the crush. A couple times a week, he'd go into Ron's office and say, you got to tell your guy to shut the up. <laughs> I can't hear him anymore. I can't listen to him anymore. I've had enough of Josh Gross with the Colorado crush, right? And uh, how about your coworkers? <laughs> if he could they, hear you in the office, yeah, they uh, they were they fond of well. <laughs> yeah. Maybe why none of them are friends with me. Yeah. But so uh, so anyway, uh, there was no hockey in 0405, and he knew my passion was actually in broadcasting. And so Mike Haynes and Norm Jones, Mike's the play-by-play announcer for the Avalanche on television, uh, and he, I think he was doing radio at that time. And then Norm Jones was the color analyst. And so 950 The Fan, which was the, the number one sports station at the time, they had Nuggets and Avalanche games. They were trying to fill these 82 games that they had a void of from the NHL. So they brought on the Mammoth games as content. Mike slides over to play-by-play. Norm does color. Steve calls me two days before the 05 season starts and says, I know you have an interest in broadcasting. Do you want to be our sideline reporter? It pays nothing. 
And I said, <laughs> I'm in. Right. And uh, so I got to know him that way. And uh, Gary Gate, who's synonymous, he's probably the greatest lacrosse player of all time. It was Gary's final season with the Mammoth. Uh, got to be there on the bench during that, and uh, and, and you know I I grab players the moment they scored a goal, whatever it is, I grabbed them by the back of their jersey and interviewed them on air. <laughs> That's great, and it was great because Mike uh, and Norm didn't know lacrosse very well, and Mike's become a real student of the game. He loves the game, and he's called some mammoth games since. But Mike. Uh, and Norm said, and our producer said, anytime you have something, come down to me. Because you see some sideline reporters, and it's like one, two, three times a game they're on. Yeah. I was on 20 times a game. <laughs> because the only way that I was going to get better, and the only way people were going to know my name and hear me, was for me to be on. Smart. So I was on a lot. And I grabbed players, and I, hey, I got this. And I, I, listened, I heard the coach, said that. And so... I got to know Steve in April. He hired me um, to a role within the lacrosse division of Cronky Sports. I worked for, reported to Gary Gate, who was overseeing a division within the company aside from his playing. And, uh, you know, because Steve kept saying to me that whole season, we got to get you over, you know, to lacrosse away from the crush. And I said, well, that's your job. You got to find a, a job to hire me. And eventually he did. And we've been inseparable ever since. And, and I will tell you what, I think that, you know, a lot of people talk about their relationship with their coach dating back to their high school or college days or younger. Um, Steve is a a he's a he's a boss, but more importantly, he's really a mentor. Um, he is kind of we're kind of a yin and yang. It's it, it, you know we're we're a package deal, and and so much so that um, when the announcement was made within Cronky Sports that Steve was coming to San Diego, or sorry that he was leaving the company for a new opportunity, we couldn't say it was San Diego. We couldn't say what it was because it hadn't been announced publicly. Um, within a few minutes, I had calls and emails from coworkers who said. So you're gone, right? So you're leaving. <laughs> and I was like, well, well yeah. but uh, it, it's, you know, we talked for years about, about doing something special together. And we did a lot of special things together in Colorado. And this just happened to be an amazing opportunity where he and I could stay together. My wife got sick, so sick of hearing that we were going to do something. She finally <laughs> told me, I don't want to hear any more about it and go get a condo in the mountains in, in, you know, the Rocky mountains for a weekend and lock yourselves in there together and figure it out and come out with a plan because I don't want to hear about it anymore. And, uh, so this whole thing as it became kind of that trickle effect, uh, which became, you know, a, a rower, a river, and then an ocean of, of, of steam and power behind it, uh, I probably could have asked Steve for anything. I probably could have negotiated a lot harder um, uh, than what I, I mean, I didn't really negotiate, but you know what I'm saying? Like I could sure, have asked for just about sure. anything because we are, we're a tandem. Uh, we're a bit of an inseparable tandem. Um, there's a chance I might've been the president of the team in Colorado. I would not have been the general manager. That was a uh, definite, but I might've been the president of that team. It was never offered to me. Uh, but you know, I, I, I'm not a guy who cares about, t- I, I, there, there's only a few reasons that you should care about titles and they're not really, for your current job, frankly. Um, but it didn't matter to me that there was a chance to be, maybe be president of that team. I wanted to be with him. I wanted to do something special sure. with him. Um, and frankly, everything I'd heard about Joe, I hadn't met Joe yet when I accepted the job, uh, but I'd heard such amazing things. And uh, then I got a chance to to meet him. And um, frankly, he's better than advertised. He's much better than advertised. And every media member wants wants Joe Ty. I mean, how do we yeah. get him? Um, there's a radio station that they play X-Files music when they mention his name. And <laughs> it's, a, heard that. it's a funny on bit ex- now, on right? Extra, on Extra Sports? Yeah. Uh, yeah that was funny. Uh, and, <laughs> Where and is keep, he? They, right. They keep <laughs> they doing keep it. looking for him. <laughs> uh, and you know what? Uh, Joe will eventually uh, be available to the media, but frankly, he doesn't want it to be about him. Um, I accepted this today because I wanted to meet you guys. I'm excited by the podcast. I'm excited for you know some delicious barbecue uh, and, and the opportunity to spread the SEALs message. But, you know, 
this really should be Steve sitting in this chair who's sure. talking about the brand. I'm the guy behind the scenes who you should never know. It's kind of like the offensive lineman in football. You never want to hear your name. Right. I look at myself as the offensive lineman, and I want everybody else in the organization to get the credit that they deserve because they're the doers. Yeah. Well, we we can't appreciate we appreciate you taking the time. And the greatest thing for Derek and I is this podcast allows us to pick and choose who we have those relationship <laughs> with. And, you know, because of Dominic over at iHeart, yep. he uh, reached out and introduced us by email and said, you know, you guys should meet. Uh, he knows my passion for sports entertainment. He knows about the podcast. Um, he has if there's anybody in sales that's doing the right things, it's Dominic, you know, and Dominic's been just such a great friend to my wife and I, him and his wife. Uh, but there's, it, we wouldn't be selling barbecue down at Valley View Casino Center if it wasn't for Dominic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wouldn't have the relationship we do as a sponsor of the San Diego Gulls um, if it wasn't for Dominic. And now we get to spend time with you and hear, you know, a lot of the things, um, you know, from behind the scenes, you know, from behind the scenes that we wouldn't get. Um, from the president, obviously, we'd love to talk to Steve too. But you know, it's really cool for us to you know spend time and learn about you and your story because you know you guys are hustling over at the at the offices trying to get ready for your first season. An hour might not be enough with him. He, I like, <laughs> I, I'm loud and I like to talk. He really likes to talk. That'd be good. I like to talk to him about his stats. I'm like, oh, they're looking a little he low. Was, I think he retired as the all time leader in penalty minutes. <laughs> So he was on My a team. Kind of guy. <laughs> he, was, he was on a team with with Gary and Paul Gate. I mentioned Gary's yeah. Gary's name a little while ago. Tom Marichek, who's also one of the all time greats, and basically um, uh, he made sure that they stayed clean. Uh, so he had a uh, you know he no, had a few dust ups, right. maybe each game. Uh, that was uh, one of his roles. But really, he was a really talented player. He'll downplay that to the day he dies. Um, Joe was actually uh, spoke to our staff in our offices a few weeks ago. And uh, he talked about we – we asked, what's, what's your favorite lacrosse memory? And he talked about how he got – he said he was not a good player. And uh, he scored one career goal. Awesome. Uh, and the week, I think, before or two weeks before, he hurt his uh, – shoulder. he got in garbage time in a blowout, you know, and hurt his – I think it was his shoulder. And then a week or two later, you know, he's, he's well enough and, and he scores his one career goal, which you can find online, by, by the way. He said you can find that. Uh, but it was really nice to hear, you know, you talk about – being humble. And I think, uh, you know, one of the things that turns people off to athletes, professional athletes, and even athletes at the lower levels, even in high school and middle school, and with recruiting getting so young in so many sports, is to hear somebody who's so humble. And, and you meet somebody like Joe, who will be in a, you know, a, a, a polo shirt and shorts, and uh, you'd never know what his net worth is. And he, he will never bring that up to you. And he'll never make you feel like you're not an, on an equal level with him. And, He's letting us run the business the way we want to run the business, and he's trusting us, right? And if you bring in great people, trust them to do their jobs, and he's doing exactly that, and and Steve has given that trust in me. The reason he's not here, his son is a senior in high school, and so he is actually – he's here every couple weeks. Uh, Didn't line up this week where he's in town, but he's letting his son finish out his senior year, and Joe was – said, great. Do that. Uh, so he's working remotely, uh, telecommuting in a sense for now, uh, but in town every few weeks, and and uh, it's worked thus far. And and we had to do that for the first six months. We didn't have an office. Sure, we didn't really have a staff. Uh, you know, we brought on Erin Dutcher in October and threw her to the fire. Her first day, but if you talk about like writing a book, her first day. This is what I said to her: Hey, Erin, 
Come over to my house. <laughs> um, and do you have camping or lawn chairs you can bring? Because the movers are coming this day and they're going to interrupt us 50 times. We're gonna be Where tail- does this go? Where does that go? But I don't have anything to sit on. And so she came over and rolled with the punches and uh, we ran an event two weeks later. We ran the, the logo uh, and name reveal event two weeks later, which she was an integral part of. And uh, she's the glue in our organization. Everyone needs a, a glue guy or girl, right? Sure. Um, she's the glue in our organization. She was uh, the brains and, and operations behind the fashion show in December. Um, I can tell you about everybody on our staff, but they all play roles. And just like Steve had a role with the Wings back in the 90s, which led to three championships in five years, no role is more important than anybody else. And you know what? There's glory people. There's guys who put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, but every role is so vital. And if you, if you take that approach in business, uh, I think you'll be successful. Put good people in place, find the role, find where they're best to be, right? Put the right people on the bus and then, uh, you know, put them in the right seats and then let them do their jobs. And, and, uh, Aaron's been a star for us thus far. Um, so, you know, I mean, it really is cool. We've got named Sean Walsh who, who played college lacrosse and he's out here and he left the job working in, um, uh, the real estate business to come work for us and uh, we call him sale Sean uh, <laughs> and uh, like to, you know, bust his chops a little bit, but you know what? Um, he, he sold uh, uh, seven memberships in his first week. Uh, we didn't expect him Frank, and he was part-time. He was finishing up his old job. So in 20 hours in one week, he sold uh, seven new accounts. Uh, and, and you know what? Always a smile on his face. I was told here, you can't wear a tie in San Diego. <laughs> um, and, and in fact, uh, a good friend, Rod Fowler at the Padres, yeah. when I've been around him, he's like, I feel uncomfortable with you wearing that tie around me. <laughs> Sean wears his tie to work every day. Uh, and uh, it's it's his little thing. You, you mentioned, uh, you know, having leadership from Fox 5 on, right? Having uh, Sean here and it's like, he's got the bow tie. Oh, yeah. Scott. Uh, Scott, uh, Scott sorry. Scott, Scott's, Scott's got, got the uh, that bow tie. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and so as you think about it, right, everybody's got, you know, their, their identifier. And, and so Sean's is, is wearing the tie to work and he's a great guy. And look, I'm very fortunate and I have a smile on my face every day, every night. I look out at the, uh, you know, I look my, my, the back of my house faces West and I have an amazing pool and I can, you know, I see the, the sunset and palm trees and, uh, my, I've lost a lot of friends, um, <laughs> on the East coast and in Denver by posting pictures. too much pictures on social media. <laughs> my wife and I celebrated new year's at midnight in our pool with a there glass of champagne. <laughs> That's a San Diego so way. I need to make friends in San Diego. I'm looking for eligible people yeah. because, uh, frankly, um, I've lost a lot of my other friends because they're like one of my buddies he, who worked with. He was a sand crabs guy. We're gonna move. He uh, he, he posted on social media. He said, "We get it. You live in San Diego." Yeah, it's it. like I'm in the honeymoon phase, yeah. right? right? So I have to play that up. As the problem is, it's always a honeymoon phase. I mean, there's you know we we're obviously biased having come from San Diego, but you know we're so fortunate to live in a place where no matter where you go in the world, no matter how beautiful it is, you know when you're on your final descent into San Diego, you hear the the pilot. You're on your final descent. You're like you feel like you're going back on vacation yeah, because you're coming back home. My wife and I talked about that. So we were planning a, um, a staycation one night away um, by the beach. And we live inland. We can't afford to live by the ocean, right? But we were going to do that. And um, because of a work event, we had to cancel. And she said, you know what? I feel just like that. I feel like our house is you know, kind of a, a hotel, like we're, we're at a beautiful resort. And I wanted my kids, you know, Denver 
is great. We had our, we bought our forever house three and a half years ago. Life happens. Uh, but one of the challenges is in Denver, it's so, it's such planned communities that we were on 12 hundredths of an acre. And so I couldn't even have a catch with my son or daughter in the Mm. yard. We had a yard, but we had one tree in the front. So you couldn't throw a ball above six, seven feet in the air. And then in the back, it was too small for it. And so when we were looking for a house here, one of the things I really wanted was I said, I want to be able to have a catch with my kids. And uh, so we got a pool and a side yard where I can have a catch with the kids. And to me, that's everything. Like, where are you guys that's, at? That's the world. We're in Forest Ranch. Oh, cool. Um, Beautiful out there. Yeah. Which, yeah. you know what? We we had never heard of Poe. Poe what is it? It's Poe. Oh, it's Poe, Poe right? Yeah. You're like, we never heard of that. And La Jolla. Right? You know, <laughs> like, I knew La Jolla. That was what I knew. But, you know, Penasquitos, like, I didn't know any of these things. Right. And so I was told the Poway School District is phenomenal. And uh, so we looked in Poway. This was actually the second house we looked at, the one we got, mm-hmm. and uh, we weren't looking to buy. This was way back in the summertime. We weren't looking to buy, but my wife walked in the house and said, we shouldn't even be here. It's too nice. And uh, 20 minutes later, we walk out. There's a full-size regulation basketball hoop in the in the driveway. My son was six at the time. Never seen him make a basket on a hoop above seven feet tall. Just didn't have the strength. He says, can I take one shot before we leave? Before we go? Yeah, yeah, Carter, you can take one shot. Uh, and we said, if you make it, we'll buy the house. <laughs> he made the shot. Um, yes. We did not get the house initially. They accepted another offer, <laughs> fell out of escrow, and three weeks later, uh, we jumped in. Works, and it, it does. And you know what? It actually bought us a little bit of time, which was good because we hadn't even put our house on. Denver's a really hot real estate market right now. Um, we hadn't put our house in the market. We knew it would sell quickly, but it was one of those contingent offers, and we were able to pull that off then through uh, three weeks later. And yeah. so it all worked out. But yes. The first shot I ever saw him make on a regulation hoop was basically to get the house that we so found. Cool. So we're awesome. very lucky. Our new office, by the way, in UTC, we have a penthouse, which we did not expect to get. Um, but we got an outdoor pat, two outdoor patios, beautiful space. We're going to host a lot of uh, networking happy hour events Barbe- there. Barbecue and events. Barbecues. Yes. Hey, <laughs> you know? we need catering, right? Like, right. We got it. you covered. But, you, you should be right by Donovan's then, right? We are. I've been to Donovan's downtown. Yeah. I haven't been to the one. Is it still open? Shit, I don't know. We're diagonally across from the new Nordstrom. I guess that's the landmark that everybody knows. Yeah. Uh, But, uh, you know, you check it out on our website. We're welcoming people in uh, Executive Square. And it's funny because we're on the 11th floor. We have our exclusive elevator. Um, And we are not this way at all. None of us are that kind of, you know, people. But you can take the elevator to 10, then you have to transfer to our own elevator up to 11. And uh, there's no restroom up there. So we go back to 10 a lot during the day. Uh, But you know what? We have this this great space. So I got a great house, great space, amazing staff that I work with. And the response, there's three core groups in any, for any sports team. One is fan base. And the reception starting on August 29th and all the way through to today has been nothing short of unbelievable. The second is the corporate community, uh, businesses that are uh, potential corporate partners. And without any outbound efforts, we have more than two dozen companies who are going to be corporate partners of ours um, in deals ranging from small deals up to very large deals. And the third is the medium. We talked about the media already. And so when you have those three groups that are all behind you, it makes you feel really good about your job. And the fact that I've met so many people through business who have said, Josh, anything you need, right? You need to know about what restaurants eat at, what pediatrician you need for your kids, what, right? Any of that. And they didn't know me. But in two months, I was more well-connected in San Diego than I was in 14 years in Denver. And I'm not a different person. Right. It was just the fact that there's great people who live here. There are great people in Denver too, right? But there are great people who live here who just 
really care about something San Diegan and they're excited about the seals coming to town and for them to welcome us with open arms from the biggest businesses like the Padres on down to mom and pop shops and, and random people we meet on the street. It just, it feels great to be here and uh, we're going to be here forever. You know, some people say, well, you know, what's the, the long-term plan? Well, the long-term plan is to make the seals a brand in this marketplace. That's a lifestyle brand that you guys can be proud to be San Diegans and that the seals are proud or are part of that community that you're proud to be involved with. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there's any better fans in actually in the world. I mean, you know, we're fair weather and we always get the fair weather fans. Um, we talked about it before, but you know, San Diego, we're ambassadors for our city and, you know, sports is one of those vehicles. Entertainment's one of those vehicles, but when the company is doing the right things and you guys are giving back and having programs for kids and, you know, bringing a product that is exciting so that my wife would want to come and mm -hmm. I would want to bring my six month old son, you know, the goals have been fantastic. And we go down there, Valley View Casino Center, they've created just, Ernie's done an amazing job yeah. at using what we have. And then we're going to figure the rest out. But mm -hmm. if you have great people, I mean, now that we're adding, you know, the, the seals to the schedule to, you know, the Valley View Casino Center calendar, it's, it's dynamic and exciting. We're 72 degrees instead of 58 inside. I told you I was cold at that 60 degree <laughs> lacrosse practice. So a little warmer. We met very early on. We met the three mayors of San Diego. We met Mayor <laughs> Faulkner, uh, uh -huh. who's been uh, a great advocate of ours. We met Mayor Bill Walton. Yes. <laughs> who's been a great advocate of ours. He comes in here a lot. Yeah. And, uh, and Mayor Ernie Hahn, yes. right, uh, who's the GM of Valley View <clears throat> Casino Center, who's been, you know, uh, that as well. And so um, through their network, their respective networks, through their excitement for this process, through the excitement of a new team coming, and frankly, through the professionalism that our organization prides itself on, uh, they have gotten us to so many great people. We were staying at a hotel every time we came to town because I was still living in, in Colorado until – December 28th. Uh, so the second time we were in town, staying at a boutique hotel, and Steve's texting me. I was in a meeting at Valley View Casino Center, and he's texting me. He's at a happy hour meeting with some business guys. Josh, you got to get here. These are the most amazing guys. He's like, just get here. I'll tell you when we get here. The owner of the boutique hotel that we were staying at was having beers with us. And we ended up at the Padres game that night because I guess when you're just hanging out downtown or in gas lamp and you just <laughs> end up do? in the Padres game that yeah. night. Uh, and uh, then he drove us home. And so I jokingly said to him, I said, you know, when I booked it, it said that there was a concierge, some type of service. I didn't know it was the owner of the hotel who was driving us around. So uh, when I booked next time, I explained, you know, here's when I come in, et cetera. Fantastic. But, you know, he's become a um, uh, an evangelist for us as well. And there are so many people who, you know, there are some guys who have never seen lacrosse, let alone wear a field or box or whatever it is. Never seen a lacrosse match, as they call it. It's not a match. It's a game. <clears throat> never seen a game. And they're just, they're all in. And uh, that's a testament to, to who they are as people. And you know what? It's our responsibility. It's our job to exceed your expectations. And I will tell you, when you guys come opening night, you're going to say that I undersold it to you like it. because it's that darn good. The National Lacrosse League has ruined my fan experience. I love that. Because the game presentation is second to none. And the athletes are phenomenal. And the things they do with a stick are things that I dream of. And when you guys see that in person, you're going to say, you know what, Josh, I'm in. And, uh, and you did undersell it. And that means that I did my job.
Well, we uh, we can't thank you enough for your time. And like we said, everything we talk about is in the show notes. Uh, we encourage all of our listeners to follow along on social. Um, they got some incredible things, which I love to see that you guys are already developing those platforms. And Can I leave you with one last really quick story? Oh, please. Okay, this is the, the relationship between Steve and me. So I played men's league and uh, men's lacrosse league in Denver. I was terrible, right? <laughs> and he's pl- proud to tell people I was terrible. So I finally had an epiphany. I was like, you know what? I'm going to score tonight. But I'm not going to score one. I'm going to score three goals. <laughs> I never scored before, right? This is my third season. I scored three goals. I put a ball next to my lacrosse bag on the bench. And I'm like, when I score, I'm running into the net. I'm grabbing the ball. I'm sprinting back to the bench. And I'm throwing this other ball so they can play with it off the next face off. And I scored. And I did that. I scored again. And I had a chance with 10 seconds left to score the game winner, and I shot it, I shot it wide. But the reason I bring this up with Steve <laughs> is Steve has a trophy case. He basically has a mini Hall of Fame in lacrosse because of all the great things that he's been involved with and all the greats he's played with and whatnot and coached um, minuscule level there. But uh, he's got you know Gary Gates' thousandth career point, John Grant Jr., who's one of the three best players of all time, his thousandth career point, Josh Gross's first career goal. Sits no with way. the legends of cool. the game in his, uh, you know, in his basement. Now it'll be coming out here to San Diego, and that's just, you know, I wanted him to have the ball that's, because that's lacrosse awesome. to me is Steve Govett. Well, also your willingness to go and work for nothing as a sideline reporter. I mean, you have to put yourself in those uncomfortable positions to follow your passion, and then you never know where that road's going to lead. And you know what you guys are doing. We're we're just really really excited to have you on, share the story of um, the seals and whatever we can do, Derek and I, um, you know, we, we kind of, if you get us, you get a, you get all of us. That's, that's oh, kind of the deal. Yeah. You were talking about your wife getting sick of your relationship. And I think our wives are <laughs> of our relationship too. Cause we're kind of the same where it's kind of like a package deal. So well, let's go eat some Cali comfort barbecue, oh, right? Let's do it. Let's I'm do it. In. We're, uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in and, uh, we'll, we'll be back uh, next week behind the smoke. Thank you. Thank you.